Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Serial Killer Podcast, the podcast dedicated to serial killers, who they were, what they did, and how. I am your Norwegian host, Thomas Vyborg Thun. The music you just heard was from the introduction music of the greatest radio show ever produced, Orson Welles' Mercury Theatre. It was from the show's dramatization of the novel Dracula by Bram Stoker. Since our dear Elizabeth Bathory, by many, is believed to be one of the main influences of Stoker's vampire classic, I thought it apt to include the Mercury Theatre intro to the Serial Killer Podcast's final episode in her saga. This is episode number eight. So, if you haven't listened to the other seven episodes in this series, please do so before listening to this one. This episode is, thanks to you, dear listener, 100% sponsored ad free. It is financed solely by my very loyal patrons who are helping to produce the show via Patreon. As I have mentioned in the last couple of episodes, the podcast breached the 10 million downloads mark by the 1st of December 2018. If you 
wish to participate in this show's continued success and development, I have created several tiers for those of you that wish to support the show financially. If you pledge $1, that is still a really big help, but you are of course welcome to donate more, and the rewards for doing so grows the larger the donation is. For example, I will read out a public thank you if you donate $15, and if you really want to join the TSK aficionados, donate $50 or more. Go to patreon.com slash the serial killer podcast to learn more. Any donation is greatly appreciated. Also, do not miss out on bonus content, previews, exclusive interactions with me, and more on both my Facebook page at facebook.com slash the SK podcast and my subreddit on Reddit dot com slash r slash the sk podcast i really appreciate listener feedback so please feel free to post reviews comments or questions there and so it is dear listener that Everything comes back to the beginning. As the famous song lyric goes, We are back where this epic tale began, alongside Palatine Thurso and his men, by Castle Setche, on the 27th of December, 1610. The same day that Thurso set out towards Setche, his young wife, Countess Erschebet Jobur sent a letter to him. The letter reads as follows. My lovely soul, dearest, as you requested, I sent a kitchen maid. They say that she is still the same, but whether it's true or not, only God knows. Well, whatever commandment has been broken, then it is very likely that after this it will easily be done, and it is possible that these people provide false testimony against them. Who knows what is at the castle? They say that she does the beating flogging herself with her hand, and if she had to meddle, and if she were surely, then it could have been thoroughly investigated, as your grace commanded. I will be taking care of matters here with all my might, my lovely soul, my beloved, and my lord. End quote. The night before the Palatine arrived to apprehend the Countess Bathory, she was well aware that the net was closing in around her. She was desperate, and along with one of her few friends, the mistress of Miava, she went out into the clear night with a scribe. The scribe was ordered to transcribe the following spell. Help, O oh help, you clouds! Help, clouds! Give health, give Ershibet Bathory health! Send, O oh, send forth, you clouds, ninety cats, 
I command you, leader of the cats, that you hear my command and assemble them together from wherever they may be, whether they are on the other side of the mountain, beyond the water, beyond the sea, that these ninety cats come to you, and from you should go straight into the heart of the king Matthias, and also the heart of the Palatine. In the same way should they chew to pieces the heart of the red Megiri, and the heart of Moses Jiraki, so that Erzabad Bathory shall not suffer any grief. Holy Trinity, so it is done. End quote. Spellcraft and dark magic did little to help Lady Bathory. As we remember from episode one, when Thurso's men entered Cheche Manor that night, they found the bodies of dead or dying girls strewn about, all having suffered from torture, beaten, flogged, burned, and stabbed. Within a few hours, additional bodies and victims would be found within the castle itself. At least thirty known witnesses, townspeople and servants of Thurzo, arrived to take part in what was clearly a long-awaited spectacle. The manor house located in town was thoroughly searched, and then the party of armed men escorted the countess up the hill to Castle Setche. She was accompanied by the whole crowd. Witness testimony from those present revealed what happened next. The procession went directly to the castle keep, the central fortification containing both main tower as well as dungeon. A search for bodies began, and the group immediately found what they were looking for. While the countess stood by watching, in silence, the men came upon the body of a dead girl. According to such a castle provisor, Michael Hervoith, a coat was placed over the body, and it was taken out on a cart. The men gathered about to inspect the dead bodies down in the dungeon more closely. Hervoith reported seeing cruel injuries to the victim's cheeks, shoulder blades, and hands, with large wounds inflicted along with severe burns. Their flesh, he alleged, had been torn out with pliers. The men soon found another girl, who had terrible wounds, but who was still alive. When asked who cut her, she said the woman named Catalin had ripped out the black and blue marks and the festering flesh with pliers. The lady Nadasti, i.e. Ershibet, had joined in and beaten her with her fists so severely that her right arm and hand was destroyed. An older woman, who was still alive, was also found. Her feet had been bound together because she had refused to hand over her daughter to the lady widow Nadasti. Erzabet was led back to her manor house while the men continued their search of the castle. She gave a statement in which she maintained her innocence, 
claiming any wrongdoing was the sole activity of her servants. The four servants apprehended with her, the three old women and Fickshow, were held overnight. The next day they were taken in chains to Bitcha for formal proceedings. On the 30th of December, Lady Widow Nadasti was taken back up to Castle Setche and formally imprisoned there. While her accomplices, now held in the prison of Bitcha, had their confessions tortured out of them before the trials began. As her servants were tortured and confessing in Bitcha, the Countess was imprisoned deep in the very same dungeons at Castle Setche, where she had tortured and killed so many young girls. The local priests, who up until then had been her servants, went to her to offer consolation and to make sure she didn't commit suicide. According to one of the priests, the following occurred. Immediately upon seeing the priests, however, the countess flew into a rage. You priests are the cause of my captivity, she spoke furiously in Hungarian. Reverend Zacharias immediately apologized to her in Hungarian. His apology calmed her down momentarily, to which she then said to him, You might not be at fault, but the pastor of Setche is. Reverend Zacharias had obviously dealt with her before. He spoke softly, as if to calm a lunatic or wild animal. Your grace should not believe this. I can prove with witnesses that it is so, she said. At this point, Reverend Ponikanush, who had managed to catch up with the conversation through his interpreter, declared, I have preached God's word, and if it caused your grace to examine your conscience once, I have nothing to do with it, because I never named you. The countess replied testily in her native Hungarian, Then you, you will die first. Then, Mr. Megieri, you too have brought all this trouble upon me, and are the cause of my arrest. What? she said. Don't you believe me that, because of this situation, a revolt will soon take place? The Hajduk, who have already gathered beyond the Thais River, have written to me yesterday that even the Prince of Transylvania will avenge my wrong. Pony Canush remained silent as this was spoken. According to him, his interpreter did not relate everything that she said in Hungarian. However, the pastor noted that the countess now wished to send off letters, and that she called for a knight. She said nothing out loud, and no one questioned her as to what she was doing. Ponikanush thought the man whom she called was someone from her entourage. The fact that she could still summon servants, send secret messages, and make threats made him very nervous. 
Meanwhile, the countess continued to accuse the priests of being the sole and unjustified cause of her imprisonment, maintaining her innocence. Reverend Zacharias attempted to change the subject. Do you believe that Christ was born for you, died and rose for the forgiveness of sins? She shot back. I also know Peter Faber. Faber was a Catholic priest and co-founder of the Jesuit order who worked to bring Protestants, such as these ministers, back to the Roman Catholic Church. What she said would have been insulting to them. Immediately, Reverend Zacharias gave her the Holy Bible and asked her to read it in prison, to which she retorted, I need it not. Meanwhile, still stewing over her past remark, Ponikanush demanded, I want to know who has caused your grace to have so much contempt for me by claiming that I am the cause of your detention. She turned to him and said flatly, I will not tell you. Her temper suddenly flared. Now you have angered me. She leveled her gaze at Reverend Zacharias as well, and soon both of you will have angered me. I do not wish to anger you, Ponikanush persisted. I only wish to clear myself of the accusation of having been the reason for your detention. I have been a mistress and mother to all my staff, she snapped back. I have never been treated right, neither in the small nor the large, by either of you. Ponikanush immediately insisted that she think well of him because he prayed to God for forgiveness of her sins. She looked at him for a moment, and then said in her most patronizing way, to ask God for the salvation of someone else, especially in a special case, is a good work. Meanwhile, Pastor Nicolaus Barocius, who had been present on the night of the raid, who had seen the dead or dying girls for himself, and had heard from the still living that they had been forced to eat their own cut-out flesh. He stood by in silence while she went into another rage. You nefarious and wicked priests are the cause of my captivity, but I gave my brother, Gabor Bathory, a message, and you'll soon have realized that you and your children will regret my fate. Your grace... Barocious suddenly spoke up. Please do not despair, but rather kindly accept this call to repentance and partake of holy communion. Her face fell for a moment. It looked almost like a pout. How could I do this when all of you are my enemies? Barocious said gently, your grace is surely aware of what all has already been discovered here, and what terribleness has been confessed under torture by your old women 
and the servant Fishko. Her expression suddenly hardened again. I will not admit to anything, she flared, even if they torture me by fire. So then, Barocious said, somewhat confused, after considering all of this, you still stand by your statement that you are innocent and that only the old women committed these horrendous deeds? Yes, she declared. I stand firmly by it and nothing else. Then why, he wanted to know, did you allow your old women to do such things? Her answer shocked all of the priests. I did it, she said, because even I myself was afraid of them. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have our burdens to bear, dear listener, and as a man, I was and am often told to suck it up, keep calm, and carry on. Normally, good advice in many situations, but never talking about what bothers you is not healthy. Therapy is great to get things off your chest, to vent, and best of all, to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Everyone needs someone to talk to, even psychopaths, even your humble host. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash serialkiller today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash serial killer. In a document dated the 28th of July, 1611, notary Andras of Kareshtur dutifully recorded the testimonies of 224 people, court officials, servants, administrators, townspeople, clergy, and nobles, from all throughout Erzsébet's vast holdings. The king also received a report of the testimonies given under torture 
by the Countess's four accomplices. In sum, their assaults, unfortunately, were not what anyone wanted to hear, including King Matthias. In a shocking turn of events, these witnesses laid bare the putrid, dirty laundry of not only the Countess, but also the outwardly illustrious Batharina Dusty families and neighbouring nobility, in no uncertain terms. Hungary's beloved war hero, Ferenc Nadasti, was exposed as a villain who brutalized servants, taught his wife bizarre torturing games, and covered up her murders. Personnel from Erzsébet's court and towns, respected squires and nobles, were accused of assisting in the murders by procuring girls, in some cases their own relatives, engaging in a cover-up or turning a blind eye. As the allegations continued to pour out, suddenly Imre Megieri was on the defensive. He and young Paul Nadasti had to lobby intensively now to protect their own staff against accusations of complicity or cover-up. The king was beyond astonished. As much as he wanted to implicate Erzsébet Bathory, he could not risk such terrible evidence against Hungary's national war hero, or against so many of its other nobles. That would raise the ire of too many. Desperate, he called another tribunal of witnesses to be certain of the testimony. Besides Tsetschem, the worst offences seemed to have occurred at the Bathorina Dasti holdings at Sarvar, Kerestur, and Lockenhaus. Matthias quickly ordered deputy notary Moses Giraki to summon key witnesses from those particular holdings. Twelve were called, with the report completed on the 14th of December, 1611. Those testifying came from the nobility and supposedly held the highest credibility. Among them were star witnesses, including court officials Benedict Seo and Jakob Gilvasi, the two men who had rare permission to witness the countess and her accomplices in action. To the king's dismay, these witnesses repeated exactly what had been said about the shameful goings-on. No mistake had been made. At Thurzo's repeated urgings now, the king finally conceded. Countess Bathory would not be brought to public trial. Relieved, Thurzo immediately brokered a clever deal. In light of the evidence, he recommended a sentence of perpetuis carceribus, or perpetual life imprisonment, rather than the death penalty. However, he included a caveat to please King Matthias. Legally, it would be as though Countess Erzsébet Bathory never existed. Matthias's debt to her would 
be immediately cancelled and a small portion of her lands would cede to him. Also, any documentation regarding the Countess, including all legal records of the incriminating proceedings, would be sealed. Finally, by order of Parliament, the name of Erzsébet Bathory would never again be spoken in polite society. King Matthias agreed to the terms. As a result, the Bathory and Nadasti reputations, including Ferenc's national honours, remained intact. Sarvar passed to Paul Nadasti, and Erzsébet's son-in-law were appointed permanent administrators of her other estates until Paul came of age. The lands of Protestant nobles were temporarily preserved against undue Catholic advances. And in 1612, the following year, King Matthias was crowned Holy Roman Emperor. For everyone, the news was good, except for Countess Erzsébet. Stonemasons arrived shortly thereafter to carry out her final sentence. She was never to be let out of confinement. Most likely she remained below in the dungeon of the castle keep. She was walled in, with only a single space left between the bricks, large enough for the passage of food, supplies and excrement. Likely, during the first few months after imposition of her final sentence, she received visitors. Her daughter, Catalin, for instance, who brought supplies such as candles, parchment, ink and favourite food items. As her sons-in-law, Counts Drugeth de Homonai and Zrinyi assumed full responsibility for administering her estates, there must have been at least a few visits in which they or their representatives inquired after details. We also know that Georgi Thurso's wife, Erzsébet Jobur, paid more than a few visits in January of 1612. Each time that Countess Jobur visited, however, she left with more than what she came with. She was systematically raiding Countess Bathory's coffers including her jewellery. The plundering was so bad, in fact, that the Lord Chief Justice, Count Sigismund Furgach, writing on behalf of the Supreme Court of Hungary, finally ordered Georgi Thurso to put a stop to his wife's pilfering. Slowly, the visits diminished, and people began to forget about the Countess no longer in charge of the estates, her importance faded. Of course, she continued to write letters protesting her innocence and demanding an appeal, but no one answered. It is said that when supplies of parchment ended, she began writing on the walls. While by no means an ideal living condition, the Countess did have enough food, water and air to survive. In her fifties now, she would still live another two and a half years behind the wall, 
at an already advanced age for the time. How she spent those last years is hard to say. Likely she no longer enjoyed the amenities of a full staff and had to eat the same food as the small crew assigned to guard her and maintain the property. For a noblewoman accustomed to lavish feasting, the simple fare of commoners must have been both insulting and revolting to her, at least initially. It is also likely that, without the benefit of any ladies-in-waiting, the very act of dressing and undressing herself would prove a nightmare for this noble who probably never had to do it herself, and perhaps did not even know how. Also, given the complexities of 16th and 17th century female clothing, the elaborate rare tying drawstrings of both her dress and corset would have been impossible to undo without assistance. Had she been imprisoned in one of these elaborate gowns, the ghastly possibility arises that she might never have been able to remove it after being walled into the dungeon. Eventually, however, Urshabat herself knew the end was coming. We know that she had no great affection for her sons-in-law. As matters currently stood, upon her death both men planned to assume permanent control over the sizable properties they were administering on behalf of her son and two daughters. Thus, on the 31st of July, 1614, three weeks before she died, two priests from the Eshtergom bishopric, Imre Agrienshi and Andras Karpelich, arrived at Castle Setsche by her request to witness and notarize an addendum to her last will and testament in order to keep property and wealth away from her sons-in-law. Erzsébet's attempts to keep property away from Georgi Drugeth the Homonai were likely in vain. A little less than three weeks later, on Thursday the 18th of August 1614, 16-year-old Paul Nadasti transferred one-third of the dominion of Setsche and Bekov over to him. Three days later, on the night of Sunday the 21st of August 1614, Countess Erzsébet Bathory was concerned about her poor circulation. She told her bodyguard, Look how cold my hands are. Her attendant told her that it was nothing, and that she should simply lie down. With that, she put her pillow under her legs, and then began singing with a beautiful voice. She died two hours after midnight, apparently in her sleep. Erzsébet was buried at the church in Cheche, some say in a crypt beneath the church, while others claim the local cemetery, on the 25th of November. It is said, however, 
that the residents soon began to complain that the infamous lady was lying under holy ground and demanded that she be removed. Erzibet's remains were thus supposedly taken back to the Bathory family estate in 1617. Where she lies today, however, is something of a mystery. On the 7th of July, 1938, the crypt at the Tsetche church was excavated, but the countess's tomb could not be found. In 1995, the family crypts at Nir Bator were opened, but no remains of the blood countess was found there either. Castle Setcha is a ruin, but still stands today. And perhaps, if you go there on a starry moonlit night, maybe you'll see a cat's green eyes looking back at you from its darkened ruined halls. Don't worry. Put out the lights and go to sleep. It's all right. You can rest peacefully. That's just a sound effect. There. Over there in the shadow, see? It's nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. I think it's nothing. But always remember, ladies and gentlemen, there are werewolves. There are vampires. Such things do exist. And with those words from my idol, Orson Welles, our tale of Elizabeth Bathory, the most prolific female serial killer of all time, comes to an end. No other female killers come close to her depravity and evil acts, and let us hope none ever will. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. I have been your host, 
Thomas Vyborg Thun, and this podcast would not be possible if it had not been for my dear patrons who pledge their hard-earned money every month. There are especially a few of those patrons I would like to thank in person. These patrons are my 16 most loyal patrons. They have contributed for at least the last 14 episodes, and their names are Sandy, Maud, Amber, Anne, Charlotte, Christina, Claudette, Evan, Jennifer, Joe, Lisbeth, Mickey, Philip, PJ, Sarah, and Troy. You guys really helped produce this show, and you have my deepest gratitude. Thank you. As always, I thank you, dear listener, for listening. Please, feel free to leave a review on your favorite podcast app, my Facebook page, at facebook.com slash the SK podcast or Reddit. And please do subscribe to the show if you enjoy it. Thank you. Good night and good luck. Thank you.